This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. You know what that means. You're most of the way to the weekend already. So congratulations. Pat yourselves on the back. No, mostly there. The Colorado Avalanche, after some very disappointing losses in which they blew leads and lost to both the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, bounce back even though the Dallas Stars, visiting last night, scored in the very first minute of the game. Only about a minute and eight seconds later, Joel Kivaranta scored his third goal of the year against the only team he'd ever played for, played for prior to this season. The Dallas Stars gets a measure of revenge. Miko Rantanen scores his 31st. Only a few minutes later, the Avs take a 2-1 lead into the break and then cruise from there, finishing with five unanswered goals on their way to a 5-1 win. It was so one-sided that for the last, uh, I, I was at the game, about the last 14 minutes of the game, Dallas came out hard in the third, trying to, because they did finish the second on a push, they could not crack Georgiev, came out hard at the end of, right. Or 5-1. 5-1. 5-1 at the end of two. Came out and tried to see yeah. if they could maybe give it a good run for about usually six, what, seven minutes. See if you can get a quick goal or and, two. And uh, after that, both teams yeah. just went through the motions for really yeah, the last of 13, 14 minutes. Just nobody get hurt. Let's well, get out of here. And, uh, yeah, and Dallas had played the night before, and they played an overtime game, and I thought that kind of showed they came out and played the first minute extremely well, scored their goal at the one-minute mark, and uh, for the remaining... 59 minutes were largely ineffective. Outshot the Avs on the night, though, 34 yeah, to 27. Yeah, they did. They did. And I thought the always honest Jared Bednar, interviewed during the second period by uh, the commentators for ESPN+, Plus, who had the exclusive last night. So uh, it's a rare game, if you subscribe to ESPN+, Plus, that you're able you to watch abs, that right? doesn't get blacked out. And Bednar was saying... Um, we're getting some bounces tonight, and I'm trying to remember what the score was at the time. I think it was 3-1. might have been 4-1, but in any case. They came real close. He, Those he said, third and fourth goals right, for the right. came it, within it 50 seconds of yeah. each other. Yeah, might have been 4-1. But anyway, he said, I, I, I'm not crazy about the back and forth at this point in the game. Uh, we we need to be a little more careful. And on, on the commentary, um, all three of the telecasters made the point that he was probably talking about puck management in their own end, which wasn't always great last night. And then there was the post-game interview with the sometimes recalcitrant, but always pretty blunt Nathan McKinnon, who characterized the game from the avalanche point of view as, quote-unquote, nothing special. That's a little bit. Nothing special. I, I liked hearing that because and one of the things that I, I think the team needs. Right. I do too. I think one of the team things this team needs at times, and they don't have Gabriel Landeskog, and there are different ways to lead. But I think Nathan McKinnon, who, by the way, had a goal and an assist and, and did not end up as one of the three stars of the game. More on that later. McKinnon with his 35th goal of the year in the uh, assist to Rantanen in the first period was his 63rd. So if you're doing the quick math, yep, that's uh, that's a lot. On the air, that's one one. So I mean, he's having a uh, he's having a year, but I think McKinnon is the guy that sort of has to to lead this team through these sort of doldrums they've had in exactly that fashion. That fashion would be, I'm the best player on the team. I might be the best player in the world, and 
you're going to have to live up to my pace. And not everyone's going to play like Nathan McKinnon, but they can give out the same effort as Nathan McKinnon. And I think that's what McKinnon was referring to. And Evan, these guys sort of, hey, you have to match me. I'm out here at times in the last couple games. The Avs have just looked like they were waiting for McKinnon to save them. Last night, they didn't. They got no, scoring from up you're, you're and down right. the lines. And, and he pointed that out. Uh, I mean, the, the most obvious feature of the game was that the Avs got a, a point on an assist from Wagner, two points, a goal on an assist from Cogliano, and a goal from Kivi Ranta. Uh, all three fourth liners, nine different were plus players, two with points. Yeah, nine, and that is very unusual for this year's Colorado Avalanche team. Here's another point to make, and it is part of the confounding nature of the Avalanche. No team in the league has as many wins by three or more goals as the Abs did. With 21 now, and last night was number 21, no team has more blowout wins. When they're on, ineffective, they're on <laughs> in effect than the Avalanche. Did. So I mean, you you have all these cross currents uh, with the Avalanche, and the the thing I liked we were talking about it before we came on. The thing I liked about the telecast was that the announcers were well prepared and knew exactly as much as they needed to know, I thought, about the recent struggles of the Avalanche post-All-Star break and knew of the people who were struggling even when it came to naming Kale McCarr as one of the players who has not come close to living Mm -hmm. up to his own standards and allowances made instead of the usual hooey that you hear about McCarr, regardless of how he's playing, that he's by far the best defenseman on the face of the earth. You had commentators last night saying he's not even the best defenseman in the league uh, this year. Uh, maybe number two, but Quinn Hughes has been better. I think so. And, and again, we've talked about this. I talked about this yesterday. I've, I've kind of harped on it the last couple of days. That McCarr Taves pairing simply does not look right. Now both of them had an assist last night. That's great. Yeah, they were okay. But you're they the top okay defensive last. pair, and and I get it. Depends on who you're matched up with. But in a game in which you were five-one winners, McCarr and Taves were combined plus one. Taves was a plus one. McCarr was even. Yeah, in a five-one game. Yeah, yeah right. You know, with, he was with, on the ice for the first goal, <laughs> and uh, only on the ice, and the and the Avalanche got going. Uh, you know, he can't have everything go no, you uh, back to normal at once, but they were one for two in the power play and two for two in the penalty kill. And I know there wasn't a lot of special teams action last night, but what little action there was dominated by the Avalanche. Yes, I think and, that's and that, that's That's a good thing. And they were also better five on five. And it is a rare game, even in wins this year, in which the Avalanche have both been better on special teams and better five on five. I I Certainly, and post All Star break, I don't know if I can name oh, one game. I don't think you that can. fits that. Description. Certainly not against this opposition. The Stars coming into the game number one in the Central with that uh, four point. Thanks lead. to the Abs, they are no longer the number one team in the Central. Yeah, yeah, and and we talked about that too. The Winnipeg Jets, of course, uh, now tied with the Stars, but again, 
The, the Jets have just had a weird schedule all year. 57 games played. I'm played in a lot of games. You know, I mean, I keep reading about their attendance problems. They, they really haven't played a lot yeah. of games. I don't know. Let them play, So right? I, I, I'm assuming they have a fair number of home games left that they'll start drawing now that they're in first place. They're clearly one of the top five teams in the league. In terms of point percentage, they are far and away the best team in the Western Only Conference. Only Pittsburgh right and Edmonton have played fewer games than Winnipeg's 57. So they have three in hand on the Avs, four in hand on the Stars, and already tied for first. And that's what you suggested, Sandy, is that Winnipeg, even if they're, let, let's just say with those four games in hand on Dallas, let's say they go 500. Of course, they're a far better than 500 team at 37, 15, and 5. That really now you're talking about a four-point lead, even if they just... Well, split look at those four. Gap. So, I mean, th- there's a gap there, and that, yeah. that would put them at 83 points with the Avs at 77. Yeah. But uh, when they both played, when you, you know, look at the point percentage, it, it, it tells you because there is only one other division, uh, and I believe I should have checked this more closely before I opened my mouth, but uh, <laughs> Winnipeg's point percentage is 45 points higher than second place Dallas. 693 to 648, the Avs at 642. Mm-hmm. In the Pacific, it's Vancouver at 680. Then you drop down to Vegas at 619, Edmonton actually at 625, but that's obviously a bigger gap. And they have three uh, fewer games as well as the, the Golden Knights. The Rangers at 686 to Carolina 644. Uh, that That's close i don't think it's quite as wide a gap and uh, then you've got uh florida uh, 82 points boston 82 points and the percentage difference is 695 to 683 and then you drop down to toronto at 638 florida and boston are arguably uh the two best teams in the league. i think so with the rangers mixed in I think those are the three clear yeah, best. I, I, I think, uh, but Winnipeg is no lower than fourth. Uh, it, actually, Winnipeg's point percentage is a little bit higher than the Rangers at this point, although the Rangers have more total points because yeah. they played more games. Yeah, Winnipeg obviously very, very good. and they. Really I would say are... Winnipeg's third or fourth. That's fair, yeah. And, but definitely, I say a top five team. I, they I are. mean, you can... You can oh, make I mean, it if you want to throw the Canucks in there, that's fine. Vancouver. And you're still talking Although about Winnipeg. Although Vancouver's only won four of its last ten games. Right. They're in a bit of a, a wobbly spot. And right so now. is everybody in that division. Except for Calgary for some the, reason. The, the, but. You know, Calgary's the hot team in that division. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, even Edmonton's 5-4-1 and one in its last ten. Vegas 4-5-1 and one in its last ten. Talked about Vancouver 4-4-2. Four, four and two. Uh, Kings are going okay, 6-4. and four. Uh, But... Calgary at seven and three is, is the hot team, yeah. and and of course the hot team in the entire league right now would be the Rangers, and that's why you yeah. mentioned the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, definitely a top five team. Rangers have won nine out of ten. Florida has won eight out of ten. Toronto has won eight out of ten games. Those are the three hot teams in the league right now. Three so hottest. The Avs get that secondary scoring, which is important, and they they get it obviously sort of up and down the roster. I think it was good to see. Uh, you know, it's an assist, and it's not always just the stats, but I thought seeing Chris Wagner be a little more involved and look a little more comfortable helped. I do wonder a little bit if having him on a line with a, a veteran like Zach Parise helps. There were a couple times where Parise tried to pass to Wagner. Wagner was not 
quite ready for it in the offensive zone. But I think later in the game, you saw Wagner start to catch up, even during the game. So perhaps getting some of that veteran experience has helped. I thought that uh, that 20s line that we've seen with Colton and Wood uh, it looked pretty good, obviously. And and I think yeah, they, I, I thought they, they, were weren't, good. they weren't a knockout, just, but it was you good. You have to keep in and mind. And Logan O'Connor, of course, right. They're not a second line. No, they're really they're, a third line team playing line. second they're line. third line playing on the second line right. because of absences and poor performances. And and let's be honest, uh, I you know, Jared Bednar may have jinxed Johansson because the minute he said he saw more spirit in his game, he was all but he invisible went back yesterday. to being Ryan Johansson of 23-24 again. And he is, again, and it, the plus-minus stats aren't, aren't the gospel. They, no. they aren't the definitive story. Sometimes it's a little bit of luck. But, yeah. but, I mean, when you see everyone, even the least successful on the avalanche, what, minus one, minus two, minus three. That's everybody except for Johansson, who is minus seven. And he only plays 13 minutes, 41 seconds a game. Right. It's hard to be minus seven on a good team, top 10 team, playing a little more than 13 and a half minutes a game and some and, of it, and, and say you're having even a serviceable year. It's a bad year for him. Uh, now, I, I think Gruen's a little unlucky to be minus two. Uh, Colt minus two, that's probably about right. Wood minus three, Lekkanen minus one. Lekkanen hasn't played in any games, and he won't be minus as long as he keeps playing with uh, Kinnan no, and Rant. No, which two points last night and plus two, of course. All right. And, and you know, Olofsson, Kibi, Ranta, and Parise are minus three, minus one, and minus two, respectively. And Parise hasn't played in many games either. And he's been, what, third line almost exclusively right. yes. since arriving here. Yeah, he, he hasn't played a lot of games. And I, I actually think Parise's been okay. And too. he got 16 minutes, 12 seconds of ice time uh, last night, and he deserved it. Drouin got 16.54 on that same line and deserved it. Johansson at 1327. His wingers played almost three, or in Druan's case, well over three more minutes, almost three and a half minutes more than he did. You don't see that with any of the other lines. The center plays as much or more as the wingers do. Only on Johansson's line does he not play, and he doesn't play because he's not on the power play. And some he's of this not is also shorthanded, and he's been lousy five on five. That's true, and I think some of that has to do with not as the idea. At times is you're thinking, oh, you know, careless, non-competitive, not doing it. I don't think it's that. Quite frankly, with Johansson, I think it's he's just slow. That's the problem. It's just, just speed. Slow. It's speed. The speed is gone, and I think it's hampered because when you watch him with. The puck, the hands are still good. Yeah, but he's I, but a I, slow he's guy in a position. Team. Yeah, it's a problem. And it even the goals he enough. gets don't require they're li- they're a lot a of lucky. skill. Uh, certainly you not throw a lot it of on speed. The net and, yeah, I think that's the only problem is just that the speed has not worked out. You mentioned Jonathan Drouin. How about this? Now up to 33 points on the year. Not that that's, you know, earth-shaking. But both. It, but it's a nice year. He's this? on pace for a 40 to both 50 Drouin point Both and Ross Colton have played in 58 games. The addition of Ross Colton seemed like a major one when the Avalanche got him off Duran's of Tampa Bay. Are better. Duran's numbers are better than Ross Colton's. Three and he more plays points. More. He plays three and a half two. minutes plus more per game. That has play. turned out, I think, to be the Duran signing has been not not it. It's not been earth shattering, but a pleasant surprise. And the Colton signing a mild disappointment thus far. 
I think so. I think that's fair. Um, you know, you, you, ice time always is, you know, the ultimate stat, it especially is. when you clearly have a coach who rewards good performance with mm-hmm. additional ice time. And Dron's averaging 17.39 a game. And you say, well, he's played with McKinnon and Rantanen. Yeah, he has from time to time, but hardly all year. What, half the time, maybe? Oh, yeah. Half the time? Yeah, I think uh, He's played with uh, McKinnon and Renton on the top line. But he's he's getting 17.39 of ice That's time on fifth. average, and he was at 16.54 playing yeah. uh, the third line and left wing. That's the fifth most night. of all forwards on the year. As you can expect, uh, oddly, Renton actually has the most ice time along forwards, 23.15. McKinnon's at 23. He, he, he did last night. It's he not did. that much of a difference. Third is Valerian Nachushkin when he's in for the 40 games, 21.48. Not a shock there that those are the top three guys when you're talking about forwards. Uh, number four, as you'd probably expect, Arturi Lekkonen yeah. at uh, 18.30, but Drew Aaron right. at 17.39, the fifth most uh, minutes on average this season among all the forwards. And I think when, when you talk about Jared Bednar, and I, I I'm glad you brought that up, and I get it. Uh, minutes are the hammer for any coach in virtually any sport. But you, you look at this and you think Ranton and McKinnon have within 15 seconds of each other all season long, virtually identical amount of ice time. And then in decreasing order, Nachushkin, Lekkonen, Drouin. That's actually probably the order in which value when these guys have played exactly where they rank. And everybody else a little below that, but guess who number six is? Probably the Avalanche's sixth best forward all year, Logan O'Connor. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things when you look at the Avs and Jared Bednar that you can glean a lot from just the ice wow. time because he absolutely does. There's a reason Logan O'Connor is getting ice time. The leader, the leader, game. it's true, and it's reflected in the plus minus. McKinnon plus 18 is the leader, right? needless to say. Second, is O'Connor, Logan O'Connor. and third, remarkably, of course, we're not talking about, well, well, we'll go for forwards first. Third is Cogliano, who had a goal last night, and he's a guy that only plays 10 minutes a game. His plus yeah. 10 on the year is third among forwards. Third among forwards. Jack third among forwards. Johnson, despite you know, playing in only 50, but he's played in the 58 yeah. games. He only has 13 of his own points, but he's plus 14 uh-huh. on the year, and, and he's plus two last I night. I watched him last night, and he and Byram, the, I thought for the best good. defense pairing. I, I agree. I think, <laughs> the was, third I, defense I think it was the third defense pairing. Defensive pairing by a wide margin. I thought actually I last yeah, night Byron had a kind of a lousy yeah. night on defense. I thought Josh Manson was really good on defense, but the best pairing was, two. was absolutely yeah. that Johnson, Johnson Byram pairing. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. Taves McCarr, which still no. seems to be discombobulated for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't. It's just. I, I guess maybe we've gotten spoiled and we expect a lot from them. And they were okay last night. They they they, they were helpful. I, I thought the pinch in by McCarr on the McKinnon goal, that, that keyed the goal. Oh, yeah. And of course Mc, only McKinnon and maybe Connor McDavid from that could angle. score a goal like virtually that no angle where he coming splits, straight across uh, splits yeah. the defense. Yeah. I, I mean you talk about splitting the defense. Coming straight across he, the line. He comes out of nowhere and he eases through that gap. Uh, ease is the wrong term. Explodes, with McKinnon. really. Explodes I mean. through it. Gallops through it. McKinnon gallops. He doesn't skate. He gallops. Yeah. And he gallops through. But the key to the play 
was McCarr yes. pinching in in exactly right. the right way at the right time. Because it draws, so, it drew one of the guys I, off a little bit. But yeah, the, 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 the key for me in appreciating the announcers last night was that they recognized that McCarr has not been a guy at the top of his game lately. Not lately. And, 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 and that's, just, that's telling it like it is, and it's also well-informed, shows they prepared for the game, and aren't just promoting superstars, which happens on... 90 to 95 percent of telecasts that you see and and it'll happen again today. on thursday because the avs will head to chicago to take on the blackhawks that is not an, even a, an espn plus that's just the straight up espn game and uh, make no mistake the idea that was on there was of course for the a youthful chicago star connor bedard and right Nathan McKinnon, so yeah. uh, as well as Kale McCarr and Miko and they'll Rennan. feature that as well. They they'll should. I mean, it's the storyline on Thursday night. National game. It's McKinnon versus the kid, and we'll find out how that shakes out before the ABS. They do get a win after two very disappointing losses. That win, the way it was to make it so one-sided against the Stars, I think valuable, but it only means so much if you can't can take it into the next game against a bad Chicago team. So the ABS will be back at it on Thursday. That face-off will be at seven p.m. Denver time, but it will be broadcast nationally on ESPN. As the scouting combine goes underway in Indianapolis, NFL teams are starting to look at prospects, starting to have interviews with players. The Broncos interviewed a quarterback yesterday. They'll interview another one today. But interesting, they got feedback from the NFL PA from all its players evaluating the team, comparing and contrasting the 2023 Broncos and the 2024 Broncos or pardon me, the 2022 and 2023. Very, very interesting and illustrative. We'll tell you what the players themselves thought the Broncos got better at and worse at next on Mile High Sports. Walk down to the corner store and I know I'm doing fine. See you standing by yourself someday. I'm gonna change your mind. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, you, you heard the man right there. You can start by downloading that Superbook app, but if we can get you a little more money for you, because over at Superbook, we're changing the game. You win money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling. With a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. That means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code Mile High. Here's how you do it. Download the Superbook Sports app. Enter that promo code, Mile High. That's easy. And you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The NFL Combine is underway, and it will run through Monday. The interesting part of it, as we broke down yesterday, is really, quite frankly, the interviews. Last night, the Denver Broncos had their interview with J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback. Today, they're expected to have their interview with Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, who set the new NCAA record for the most starts at the quarterback position in a career. So and when you look at the idea of getting the workouts at the Combine, not going to learn as much about Bo Nix when he's running a 40 in a straight line. He's probably just watching one of his 50-plus starts as a collegiate quarterback. But interesting to note yesterday that Sean Payton also said, at least indicated, that maybe the transfer portal, using it, might be a bit of a negative, indicating that perhaps, the, at least in Payton's 
perception. People who use the transfer portal when they're not getting what they want might be considered something of a negative mark because it indicates that you're not willing to deal with adversity. I don't know entirely how fair that is, and we're inferring a little bit from Peyton's statements, but they are interviewing Nick, so that means a lot as well. The interesting stuff today came out because the NFLPA asks his players to rate its organizations in many different categories. And comparing it from year to year ends up being rather educational. So if you look at the Broncos players and what they voted on in these categories from 2022, which was primarily Nathaniel Hackett as head coach and, of course, George Payton as the GM. The ownership is the same, but the ownership, I think, after the first year, got their sea legs under them as well. Here's what you saw, and I'm not going to worry. Yes, they grade them like you used to get in grade school, A through F, and I get all of that. You know, the A minus, B minus, C plus, whatever. That doesn't matter to me so much as the rankings. Where do they rank in the 32-team NFL? And how, how, is they, how have they changed from year to year? Well, here's where the Broncos got quite a bit better, Sandy, which I think is interesting. We talked about the challenges with the Broncos in the last few years, about a lot, a lot of soft tissue injuries, a lot of longer we would seen for the last couple of years. The Broncos had had a lot of ACL injuries, the major, the more in the last couple seasons than any team in the league. The Broncos made changes in the training staff and strength the coaches, and those are two different departments, and that ends up being kind of informative. The biggest step forward was the improvement in the way the Broncos players through the NFLPA talked about the training staff. The Broncos training staff in the ratings in the 32-team league went up 17 spots. Wow. That's a big step up. That's good. I mean, we were... A corollary with that. I was a little critical at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, yeah. A corollary with that is also how they rate food service and nutrition. The Broncos went up 16 spots. So when you're talking about taking care of the bodies, the Broncos players voting, you know, this anonymously, felt that that was a significant improvement. They had minor improvements. They went up three spots in the way treatment of families and in team travel where they went up two spots. The situation where it got worse is kind of interesting. The weight room, the the Broncos dropped six spots. The locker room, they dropped four spots. That, however, give the Broncos credit. They're building a new facility, right? They're, they're building a new facility basically on top of where they are right now out in Dove Valley. So those issues, weight room and locker room, are two that are going to be directly addressed and have already been underway for the improvements that should be ready for before the season in 2026. The one significant drop-off, and it really is interesting, is in the strength coaches where the Broncos fell 13 spots. Now, that's where it's interesting because strength coaches and training staff are sort of different in these rankings, but they're oftentimes the same team. Yeah. And so strength coaches went down 13 spots. Training staff over went up 17 spots. Maybe that has to do with familiarity with the old coach or, or something to that effect. But quite frankly, I think you have to give the Broncos credit. Only one significant part from year to year did the Broncos players vote as worse. And many other situations better, including vastly better when you're talking about food service, nutrition, and training staff. So that's good. Two new categories this year. Really interesting to track those year to year. Head coach and ownership. 
The head coach, Sean Payton, was ranked an A-. You're thinking, well, that's awfully, awfully good. Well, actually, it's tied for 17th in the league, <laughs> as players probably don't, either one, don't, don't have a lot of complaints about their coaches, and two, probably aren't going to vote them and no. say anything about it. Ownership, however, interesting. A- for the ownership as well. But that tied for fifth in the league, the very best best ranking in the NFL for the Broncos in any of the NFL PA categories at all. The ranking of fifth in the league in ownership. And maybe if you're looking for positives for the Broncos, especially when or if they get out of their nightmarish cap situation, it seems to be that at least as far as ownership goes, the Broncos look like a compelling place to play. So I think on the whole, you know, are there things to, it it becomes easy to pick on some of the things that you hear from Sean Payton and ownership at times, but it appears that the players, the people that are out there playing the games, generally think that there has been not only an improvement, but a notable improvement from last year or two years ago to this, this season that just completed. So I think that's a good sign all the way around. And I think it is a plus in Sean Payton and, Greg Penner and Kerry Walton Penner and the rest of the the ownership group. So what, what do you make of that? It is a little odd that strength coaches had the biggest drop-off, but training staff and nutrition had the biggest increases. I, I, I'm not sure what to make of it. Uh, I, I do think having new owners for a full calendar year Remember, in 2022, they were officially installed in August. Right. So I think as opposed to 22, 23, you're you're seeing some of the benefits. Um, I didn't read the entire piece, but I did note that the Kansas City Chiefs were number 31. Mm Mm-hmm. And that surprised me. And I read something about how they last until this year. I guess it changed this year. They actually had chairs to sit in. When they were in the locker room (laughs) before they had stools. Yeah. Players didn't like the stools. So they got down. And let's face it, that, that does seem <laughs> to be that, honest, like a little, yeah. a little cheap, though, right? I'm like sure an NFL the Broncos team don't afford... have stools. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Broncos right, don't have right. Uh, and the difference between the strength coaches, the big drop up is last, uh, at least in the 2022 year, 96 percent of the players said they believe they received an individual plan for strength training, which at the time at yep. least that just that was 12th in the league. That dropped from 96 to 80 percent of the players think they have an individualized plan. 80's still pretty good. I, it was, yeah, it's it's really 27th overall. But but that also may be the difference between the first year of a new training coaching staff, right? Right. Where they're right. they're still learning their guys a little bit, and and uh, we'll see how it kind of shakes down. But on the whole, I I think for the Broncos, good news. The the interesting part, however, when you look at these uh, the new categories in ownership. Club owner Greg Penner receives a rating of 9.6 out of 10 from Broncos players when considering his willingness to invest in their facilities. And that right. was the fifth but best overall as well. The Sean Payton ones are interesting, despite the fact they gave him an A-, minus, yeah. which again was tied for 17th. The players feel that Sean Payton is somewhat willing to listen to the locker room. They ranked that 24th overall. And only 72% of players felt that head coach Sean Payton is efficient with their time which was 27th out of 32 teams. 
efficient with their time. With their time. That's kind yeah. of intriguing because I also think about how many times on the field it seemed as if Sean Payton had difficult time getting his plays in. We're talking about all those delay games, many of which got blamed on Russell Wilson, but definitely did not get better with Jared Stidham. No, no, and same problem. at a certain point, you look at it as a Sean Payton issue, and maybe those are actionable items for Sean Payton to look at. That you know your terminology is great and all the time you spend on it, but but maybe things need to be simplified. Maybe things need to be streamlined. Maybe that needs to happen on the whole for the Denver Broncos. But I think on the, on the entire big picture. For the Broncos, generally, pretty good news. Uh, out of the sick, out of the thirty-two teams, the Broncos ranked sixteenth. The Broncos were not the sixteenth best team in the NFL, so I guess at the very least, your satisfaction is higher than the way your team performed. Yeah, yeah. And yes, honestly, good. with Sean Payton tied for seventeenth, it's about right. Yeah, <laughs> seems to me. Seems like it. I mean, I don't think he did a poor job, but I don't think he did a great job. Uh, there was, during that six-game winning streak, some talk. If they continued to play well and made the playoffs, that he might even be a coach of the year candidate. But the way they performed down the stretch, losing three of their final four, uh, over the last month, that kind of washed away <laughs> any coach of the year talk. At least serious talk. Three coaches coaches. by their teams were given A pluses. You'll you not be surprised by two. You may be surprised by the third. Dan Campbell of the Lions. No surprise. Andy Reid of the Chiefs. No surprise. And Kevin O'Connell of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. You didn't hear many bad the the, the players. You you don't hear anything bad about him. No. I mean, he's not caught up in any controversy. Uh you know, even even the Jets are caught up in this stuff. I don't know if you read about it today with McCole Hardman. Again, all bad stuff comes off podcasts slash social media. Right. McCole Hardman went on the other day and was talking about how the, he begged the Chiefs to take him back when the Chiefs and the Jets played. And so the, the, the Jets fired back, I guess, Joe Douglas, the GM, uh, whose job is hanging by a thread uh, at the moment. And uh, one of the play, I think it was the punter, who actually was one of the few bright spots for the Jets this year because they sure well, they worked got a lot out. of practice. Yeah. They punted a lot. Uh, he said, you know, just a disgruntled former employee, that's all. But did coaches get caught up in that stuff? And Salah was involved in this to the extent that, according to Hardman, Salah, when Hardman was injured, tried to get him to return punts. And Hardman's response was, when I was healthy, the special teams coach didn't want me back there returning punts. Now I'm hurt. You want me back there doing it? Go talk to the special teams coach. Go talk to your boy. And then Hardman accused the special teams coach of threatening him. And uh, I mean, it's just a mess. Good luck to the but Jets. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that Robert Salad did not get an A+. Plus. Uh, no, those were the a. only three. Only one coach got a D. He doesn't have a job anymore. And maybe not surprising, folks around this part, that would be one Josh McDaniels. Only one organization. Well, got- when they're when they're holding parties right. after winning the first game played 
without you at the helm. Yeah. And they're smoking cigars. Well, and, 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 I, I mean, that's all a of pretty a sudden, good indication. Max that, Crosby that and Devontae Adams needed. don't want traded all of a right, sudden. Right, yeah. Right. Only one team right. across the board with A ratings, by far the a top team of, among the NFLPA's responses yeah. for the team to play for, the Miami Dolphins. Rated well, A's or A across the I, I figured board. it'd be either Shanahan himself or a member of the Shanahan coaching tree. And Mike McDaniel certainly is that. And I'm not surprised because I, 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 I'm with Peter King. I, I think Miami, and I think they had a ton of injuries and I think Vic Fangio has passed his prime as a defensive coordinator. And so the defense failed them largely uh, down the stretch. I think they will be better next year. And I think they will, Buffalo came back and won the division this year, took it away from Miami at the end. I think Miami will win the AFC next year, and one of the reasons for that is Mike McDaniel, and he certainly seems to be the coach of the entire team, not just the head coach of the offense or head coach of the defense, the way Vic Fangio thought he was here. Broncos, by the way, never even interviewed McDaniel, who had at least indicated that that he would... Now, that was a mistake because he went to high school here. It was a ball boy here, even. Yes. (laughs) For the Denver Broncos. Well, you can't win them all. They do have Sean Payton. Broncos seem to be satisfied with that, and the Broncos organization, at least from the players themselves, seems to be trending in the right direction. Not trending in the right direction. The Colorado State Rams, who fall again for their third loss in a row, will check in with the Rams after their loss. The Buffaloes go tonight. We'll take a look at the latest as these programs try to sneak in to the March Madness bracket next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Tough loss for the Colorado State Rams last night. They fall on a last-second shot to visiting Nevada. Nevada wins 77-74. to Nevada played. Uh, they, were, they were, if not in control of the game entirely, they certainly... Uh, appeared to be for a lot of the second half, but a good Even rally. They didn't shoot well. They seemed to be in control of the game, yeah. which demonstrates again that shooting isn't everything. It's an important facet. Yeah. I mean, the object of the game is to put the ball in the basket um, and be as efficient as possible. But Nevada proved last night you can win a game shooting under 41% when the other team is shooting better than 48%. And uh, the shot differential is not that great. 54 shots taken by Nevada, 52 by Colorado State. The difference is the three-point line. Yeah. And in college and the pros, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm with people like Bob Ryan to an extent that the game has become too much, or too heavily influenced. It's a by little the too reliant on the yeah. three. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, and, I think and, that's fair. You know, uh, I I was watching BYU in Kansas last night, and, you know, BYU deserved to win the game. Kansas was was terrible. Uh, But, you know, BYU was like plus 30 at the three-point line. It's tough to overcome that. I mean, especially when you miss 12 free throws and you miss 
10 bunnies around the bat. He missed 10 layups, maybe in the second half alone. It, but even if you do those things, even if you make those free throws, even if you make those shots, you're giving up 30 points at the three-point line, and BYU should be better than it is because they almost always have a three-point advantage. And last night from the three-point line, Nevada got 30 points and CSU got 18 in a game that was decided on a last-second shot from beyond midcourt right. by three points. That 10 for 21 versus 6 for 18, that's that's a decisive difference. And the 10th three ball was, of course, a shot from beyond midcourt. And, and that's a lucky that shot, shot. Yeah. but 9 out of 20 ain't lucky. No, and, and it blunted a, a good comeback. The Rams were 11 down at halftime and came back and had a 46 And they were 7 points. down yeah. with about two and a half, three minutes to go. Roared back, 46 points second half, just not quite enough. They have now lost four of their last five games. But it is worth noting that they've lost the last three by a total of 11 points. Right. And maybe you haven't been paying attention to the Nevada Wolfpack, which I get, but they're 23-6. and six. Yeah. They're I really, mean, really good. And, and the only team with an overall record that's better than that is Utah State 23-5. and five. In the Mountain West, I mean. Uh, so, uh, and this is why you've got six teams projected to go from the Mountain West. Uh, you've got 23-win Utah State, 20-win Boise State, 22-win San Diego State, 23-win Nevada, 21-win New Mexico, 20-win CSU. And I'm not even counting UNLV 10-5 and in the Mountain West and 17-10 and overall. And you know, I'm not even kind of those teams has been really rounding into form and looking they're, great. They're playing like, better, they are playing and they're really tied well. for fourth place in the Mountain West. That's saying something. Now, CU is tied for fourth in the Pac-12. CU doesn't get as much credit for being tied for fourth as Nevada or UNLV do for being tied for yeah, fourth the, in the Mountain the West because the league isn't, isn't as good. But it it is, you bring up those, those three point, that three-point part of the game, uh, keep in mind that at least the current distances, the NBA 23 foot, foot 9 inches, the WNBA 22.15, if you were curious, if you didn't pay attention to the difference in the All-Star game and a couple of the commentators tripping over themselves. But in college, it's 20 foot 9 inches. Yeah. It's three feet closer yeah. than the NBA, and it does feel like it's probably past time for an adjustment there. Yeah, I think so. I think they have if to If not, quite frankly, a little bit. Uh, maybe even all the way back. I, I I don't know. You'd have to probably do it incrementally, but it does feel like it's a little too close. And I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, look, pace and space is fun. Uh, certainly works for scoring in the NBA as well. But I but I do think that's just a little bit too close. And I it, just it does, think, I, I just think the needle the has moved too far in the direction of the three ball. And I like the three point play. I I'm oh, not I one yeah. of those people um, who wants to get rid of the three-point play. But I think you have to make some distance adjustments because you're talking about 20 feet, 9 inches for, for kids the and, way and they over, shoot today. Over the, you know, every single year, more teams understand the value of it. Your players are practicing more from that distance. And not knocking it, look, it's not as if it was a different length for Nevada as it was for the Rams. Uh, oh, they, they just shot it better. The Rams now with two more games at home versus Wyoming on Saturday, they, they, then a week off, and then on the road, uh, at least down play. the road, quite literally, down I-25 to Coverter Springs where they'll take on Air Force. Obviously, while they're still in good shape, you got to win those both. And then oh, you'd, sure. you'd like to make some noise in the Mountain West uh, yeah. conference. Yeah, and, and, and maybe they the can. There. Maybe they can. Because I think on any given night, they can beat anybody. And, it, it, you know, they haven't been great on the road this year. 
This is the first conference game they've lost at home, only the second game all year they've lost at home. I think on a neutral court, they'll they'll be fine. They're well coached. Uh, they don't beat themselves. I mean, 20 assists against eight turnovers. Right. Nevada had they 10 dumped, assists and seven turnovers. Right. Uh, they played a good game. They, they just didn't they shoot the three well. as well. They didn't shoot that the three simple. ball. That's how and they, they overall 25 for 52. So on two pointers, they were 19 for 34. I mean, those are winning yeah. numbers. It's just that simple. I mean, in the end, it's just that simple. The, the, and they shot their fouls well, right? 18 for 22. With the somewhat similar in attempts. Yeah, it was just the three. Now, they got beat on the boards, and mm-hmm. that hurt them. 11-6 to six on the offensive glass, 34-30 uh, overall. But I pay attention to the offensive rebounds a lot more. It, it, naturally, Nevada had more uh, second-chance uh, points. Second-chance points because they were missing a lot. Uh, and and that helped with the offensive rebounding. But but still, you, you can't give up as many additional possessions as, as CSU did. And I, I, I actually thought um, – you know, the the main guys who I think now for them are Scott, Clifford, and Stevens, they, they all played well. They played winning basketball last night. The the others weren't as good, and uh, the, the UNLV bench. And, again, nobody has a deep bench in college basketball. Nobody plays ten guys or even nine very often. But uh, it, it they got more out of the, their bench. They got 19 to CSU's 13. Up in Boulder tonight, the Buffaloes will take on the Cal Bears. That's a really, really critical game. The Buffs, 14-1 and one at home. They are at home for the next couple of games. Versus Cal and By Stanford. the way, that game is a, a pivotal one, although I couldn't have imagined it, uh, even after Cal beat CU earlier in the season. CU 9-7 and seven in league play going in, Cal 9-8. and eight. So they're playing for yeah. fourth place or fifth place well they're they're tied with UCLA, ucla for fourth with nine yeah. and seven so we'll see the bus 14 and one at home but only two and seven on the road two uh home games remaining and then they will finish up at oregon and oregon state but it does feel for this buffaloes team they have cody williams for maybe a one and done uh they have a, a home heavy schedule this year in the end they're going to have far more home games than road games because of the sort of the uh the neutral site ones that they played yeah so that's right for for the Buffs, it feels like, boy, I mean, you ha- this is a mu- this is a must win. If the Buffs well, are going to make course. it a tournament, they have uh, to win this. Thing. I and, find and it hard Cal to believe. Will be tougher than short Stanford. of winning the Pac-12 tournament, which, by the way, um, Arizona's not going anywhere. So if I'm the Buffs, I'm not counting on that happening. Uh, this is probably make or break tonight. If they can't beat Cal at home tonight, the Buffs probably will not make the tournament. Well, it, it, even more so on Sunday against Stanford because Stanford's. Third from the bottom. But you got to you got to win them both though. You have to win both of these games. Of course, you have to find a way. So and and you have to win at Oregon State and uh, see what happens in Eugene with with Oregon. Um, beat Oregon earlier in the year. I know it was in Boulder. Um, I've looked at the schedules, and you know, I twelve and eight. I I don't think they'll be worse than fourth. If they can win three out of the remaining four, yep. they'll be uh, no worse than four. You get that buy in the conference and tournament. And you get that buy, and that means a lot. If if you're a top four team, you get that buy. Now, the projections still say only two Pac-12 teams will make it. Uh, I I think the two are pretty much locks. I do think there will be three teams, and possibly if there's a surprise conference tournament winner, four. 
going from the Pac-12. Well, we'll find out tonight. The Buffs take on the Cal Golden Bears. That tip-off is just about an hour up in Boulder. It is our Wellness Wednesday, mind you. So at the uh, 5.30 mark, Sandy and Dr. Rick Perea will have an interesting discussion on the intersection of sports and psychology, specifically how it relates to performance. Always an interesting read. But we are going to turn our attention to the Denver Nuggets, who kind of look like they're hitting their stride. That's great. Because um, it's an important time to do it. Starting tonight with the Kings, they have a slate of games in which we might find out who the Nuggets really are. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.